Welcome into the Trevor Stop Show, episode number 23. Today, we have a special guest. We have the recent winner of the LWS Open at Idlewild, Isaac Robinson. Uh, we're going to talk all about that win to Isaac and how he's so darn good at putting. But first, we have a quick word from our sponsor. All right, before we get into the show, we have a quick word from our friends over at Double G Craft Jerky. Double G Craft Jerky hand-selects the highest quality meats, placing emphasis on the most savory seasonings and nutritionally focused ingredients. By focusing on freshness, flavor, and quality, Double G strives to produce the best-tasting jerky on the market. I've got a bag right here of hot boom sauce, one of the best flavors. I've had all of the flavors, and this stuff is legit. It's super delicious. You definitely are going to want to go order it online. You can also check out, they're coming out with a plant-based jerky. Um, if that's something you're looking for, that's they're partnering with Eagle McMahon for that, so that's I'm sure, is going to be delicious as well. But make sure to go online, check out Double G Craft Jerky using the link on the screen uh, and pick some up. All right, we now welcome on our guest. We have the recent winner of the LWS Open at Idlewild, Isaac Robinson. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So before we hop into that win, because we're going to talk quite a bit about it, obviously, I want to help set the stage for people because you've kind of burst onto the scene recently. You know, you haven't been a super household name before this. Uh, a lot of people were surprised to see you at the top of the leaderboard even. Um, so going back to the beginning of kind of your disc golf journey, you played your first PDGA event in 2011 in the Junior 2 Boys Division. That was kind of your start with competitive disc golf. But how long were you playing before then? Um, I started playing when I was about five or six. Um, okay. So I was playing off and on for about, you know, I guess five years at that point. Okay, yeah. And was it something that, like, how did you stumble upon the game? Was it something that you kind of just, like, picked up randomly, or did you know some people that played? Yeah, so my dad uh, started playing back in, uh, gosh, it was probably 1999, 2000. Um, so oh, wait, was, wow. Yeah, before I was born. Um, and he just kind of really enjoyed playing, and so he would drag us out to the park as soon as we were big enough to walk. And, uh, yeah, so that's – I owe my start to disc golf to my dad, um, getting me out there to, at a young age. Yeah, and if, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were one of eight siblings – or you have seven siblings, right? Yes. Yeah, so was was everybody a part of the disc golf thing or just, just a couple of you? Um, at that point, you know, growing up, everybody was. Um, yeah. At, gotten older you know they've they've branched off and done their own thing but yeah yeah and when you first started playing did you notice pretty early on that you kind of had a knack for it and wanted to get into it did it hook you right away or did it take you a while to really get into it it definitely took me a while um when i was you know growing up before i started playing tournaments i i really hated it um, yeah i hated going out to the park okay uh, yeah it was <laughs> not a fan at the start um, but once I started playing tournaments, uh, you know, around age 11 or 12, um, I really got into it, really started enjoying it a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I, I, t I totally get that. I, I was kind of the same way. wasn't a huge fan of it when I started until I could get competitive with it. Um, but talking about competitiveness, obviously, um, you know, you have having such a big family. Is there a lot of like sibling competitiveness that went on with disc golf or was it usually pretty friendly? Uh, it's very, very competitive at my house. Yeah. yeah. Everything, I mean, disc golf, of course, um, but really anything we do is is a competition. <laughs> yeah. And with your, obviously, uh, your brother Ezra is a pretty serious professional player as well. Do you guys still have a little bit of a friendly rivalry that goes on, or is it mostly just kind of support? Uh, it's definitely a rivalry. Okay. Um, <laughs> anytime we go out to the course, that, uh, you know, there's a bet, you know, we yeah. drink from the gas station or or something whoever loses 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's good to hear because I've, I've interviewed a lot of people who have like siblings and they're like, oh, you know, it's all support. It's it's not that serious. But like I have a brother and like I know how it is. Like I know deep down like there's always that that urge to win. Um, right. But kind of so moving forward in your career, as you began playing competitively, uh, at what point did you kind of start thinking to yourself that you'd maybe want to play professionally someday? Was that something that ever really occurred to you or did it kind of just end up happening? And I think for the most part, um, you know, kind of just ended up happening. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed playing local tournaments, um, enjoyed competing at a, you know, a professional level locally. And I got the opportunity to play, uh, I think Ledgestone was my first DGPT event. Yeah. And yeah. So going out there, I, I loved it and, um, you know, realized I was, I was pretty good at it. Um, and I just kind of went from there. Yeah, definitely. And um, kind of looking back at your PDGA track record, um, you clearly, you know, before jumping on to tour, you had a lot of success out playing local events, occasionally traveling. Um, but you decided to go to college first before hopping onto the tour. What was kind of the decision making process that led you to instead of, you know, jumping right out there? Because you definitely could have, you know, going to college beforehand. Yeah, I really um, I wanted to get an education, wanted to get a degree. Um, before hitting the road, um, I think my plan wasn't to go on the road um, when I decided to go to college. Okay. Uh, so I had I didn't have intention of, of touring um, until my, I mean, gosh, probably junior senior year of college. Okay. So it were, it wasn't really on the radar um, until you know, like I said, towards the end of college. Okay. So for so for you, just going to college was just a natural part of things. It wasn't even like really a decision necessarily. Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, but while you were at college, you got to have a little bit of uh, disc golf fun. You kind of forwarded the disc golf program uh, at your school, you know, getting the course that ended up getting put in there and then kind of helping form the team there. Talk a little bit about like what that experience was, you know, helping the disc golf community within your college. Yeah, so it's actually really great. Um, you know, you get a roommate freshman year and yeah. you don't know who they're going to be, you don't know what they're going to be like. But mine just so happened to play disc golf as well. Wow. Um, so kind of, you know, just a huge blessing there to have somebody with a similar interest as me. And so together, um, me and Caleb, that's my roommate, yeah. um, kind of built the um, college team along with some other guys. You know, I couldn't compete in the college right. national ever. But uh, us working together, we really got um, – we grew the sport on campus – we got our course expanded from nine holes to they're going to be, they're going to have 18 holes in the next year or two. Oh, nice. So yeah, you know, just getting people aware of it. Once people started seeing like, Oh, this guy plays disc golf. Then we started talking about it. More people got into it. Um, and just the disc golf community at Tacoa really just exploded. Yeah. And what, what was your, I, I'm always curious to know because I played collegiate disc golf for three years uh, and I'd be curious to know, like, what was your overall impression of the college disc golf scene during your uh, time involved in it? I thought it was great. Um, yeah. You know, I go to college nationals as 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 the coach mm -hmm. um, two years ago, and it was just fun. Like seeing everybody, you know, you're the same age as everyone out there. They're all in college. They're all playing disc golf. Um, courses in North Carolina are just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was a great thing. Did it uh did it sting a little bit knowing that you weren't able to compete out there? Definitely, definitely. I I really wanted to compete 
you know, I really wanted to bring, uh, you know, a, a college title to, to Tacoa Falls, but yeah, you know, that's so well. <laughs> what do you, what do you think about the, uh, like professional limitations in college and stuff? Do you think they make sense or do they should adjust them or get rid of them altogether? I think they do make sense. Um, as much as I, you know, wish I could play, I, I think they do make sense having, you know, uh, an earnings limit and a rating limit, I think is probably smart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I've seen it kind of, there's some players on the border that you definitely feel bad for, but there's, there are others that are like, Hmm, thank goodness. I don't have to compete against them at the college level. Uh, the last thing you need is like, you know, Paul McBeth going to get an online degree and then just beating everybody around. So, exactly. <laughs> um, so moving forward kind of toward to touring, uh, this has kind of been your first year fully committed to touring. Um, going into this season, what kind of expectations, if at any, uh, have you set for yourself with when you were just entering the season? Yeah. Coming into this, uh, I got fifth place at Waco and that was my highest finish in any elite series, uh, tournament of that size. Mm -hmm. And going out on tour after that, I was really just trying to get top 15, top 20 consistently. Yeah. And make a little bit of money, um, get my name out there, get recognized a little bit. Um, so that was, that was basically the main goal. Yeah, so going back before you just had the win, would you have said up until that point you were still kind of meeting your expectations? I think so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and then um, since you've gotten that win, do you think your hunger for winning has kind of changed, has gotten a little more intense since getting one under your belt? Yes, yeah. I, you know, like you know, like we said at the beginning, I'm, I'm a very competitive person. Um, yeah. So getting this win uh, shows me that I can win, um, that I do right. have what it takes to win um, right. do that a lot more. Yeah. I think that's, that's such a big thing is just realizing like, okay, now I know it can be done. And cause at, at this stage in the pro tour, there's so many good players right now that, I mean, there are a lot of players who just probably think they can't win. So getting one under your belt, I'm sure that just makes your confidence go through the roof um, for sure. But, um, Talking a little bit more about that win at Idlewild, going into the event, obviously you had a little bit of momentum, played well in Portland. Um, could you feel that you were going to have a good week? Did you kind of feel it in the air? Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that um, because, uh, you know, I, I did not feel it. I did not think I was going to play well. Okay. Uh, yeah, all of my practice rounds, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this a couple other places, but I think my best practice round was even par. Um, wow. Several of them were two or three over. And so, you know, oh I was, my. they weren't super encouraging, um, <laughs> but, but still, you man, know. <laughs> well, what, uh, what wasn't clicking in the practice round? Was it the putting that switched around or was there just, were you just not hitting lines and then it kind of just happened for you? Yeah. I just wasn't hitting lines. Um, earlier yeah. in the week, it was really hot. Um, and so I think the, some of the weather was kind of messing with me. You know, just being so hot and humid out there. Um, but yeah, really just hit my, missing my lines. Uh, yeah. Just not good. I, I can see how that course in particular, it can be a deceptive of how bad you think you're playing because if you're not hitting, if you're not getting off the tee, you're never going to score and you're going to blow up all over that course. So it makes sense that like just a little bit of a switch and you could just flip it really quick. Um, do you feel like when you are on your game, do you think that the Idle Wild course suits your game in general? I think it does. Yeah. I, uh, I play very, um, very straightforward. You know, I don't try to do anything fancy. Um, yeah. Just middle, 
I throw a lot of mid ranges, throw a lot of putters. Mm-hmm. Idle Wild really lends itself to that style of play. Certainly, certainly. And now, one interesting about interesting thing about the event was the weather conditions. They were a major factor, um, causing a, it caused a lot of players frustration. Some players were even mentioning the need for weather stoppage during severe weather, even when lightning isn't present. Uh, what do you think about the current weather policies? And do you think that during at any point during the event there could have been a stoppage? Yeah, that's a tricky question. Um, obviously, lightning. You know, obviously they still have that rule. Yeah. Uh, stop um as far as heavy rain goes um you know idle wild the the fairways were pretty muddy um so it was a bit of a safety hazard mm-hmm. um but also everybody has to play in it you know right uh, so it's really it's not really a an unfair um either way because everybody's having to play in the mud everybody's having to play in the rain um so i you know, I, I think it would take a little more discussion, but for the most part, I, I agree with the, the weather. Rules. Okay. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, so with your personal experience with the weather, how are you able to deal with the conditions? And have you always been able to navigate tricky weather without much issue at all? Yeah, that's actually been a real struggle um, in my game. Okay. Um, up until probably a couple months ago, I was not comfortable playing in the rain. Um, okay, wow. Off- uh, through my putting off, through just everything, it just makes me uncomfortable. Um, and I think uh, part of learning to play in the rain happened in Portland and Beaver State, where it just rained twenty four seven. Yeah. So that that really kind of threw me in the deep end, and having to learn how to play in those conditions. Um, so yeah, I think I think I am a better player in the, in the rain than I was before. Do you feel that a lot of the weather just comes down to like the mental acceptance of like it's happening? I just have to deal with it. Is it mostly mental? I think a lot of it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. Disc, golf, disc golf itself is is eighty percent, ninety percent mental. Yeah. So before we k- kind of get into more of your putting, because that was a big highlight. I actually, this is an interesting question because I've talked to a few players, and it seems like the tour is kind of split when it rains, whether you go for just let the putters get wet or try to dry them off. So which, which side do you sit on? I, as, as long as it's not like torrential downpour, I try to dry them off. Okay. Best I can. <laughs> okay. I, that's, that's interesting to hear. Yeah. I've heard it both ways. Cause some guys are just like, some guys have so much trouble getting that, that perfect grip back. They get, it gets a little sticky. So they just have accepted, you know, putting with the wet putters. Uh, I think it was double G who I was talking to. And when he had that really good putting performance, he was, he, he left them wet. So I, I think players kind of go both ways, but so you, so you dry them off pretty, pretty much always. Always. Yeah. I think, I think the split you might have there. I'd be interested to see who's a spin putter and who's a push putter. Mm, um, that's true. That, I imagine the, the style of putting has a lot to, um, lot to say about that yeah i would i guess throwing a more spinny putt having the grip is is obviously a way bigger deal um so moving into uh the putting a little bit obviously you had solid play all around but the putting was the highlight uh you were perfect from c1x and extremely effective from circle two what was going through your mind on the putting green that led to all those putts dropping yeah i just had i just had confidence you know yeah Uh, i took what i practiced in the you know in the practice green and I was able to translate that to the course. Um, so I was feeling very confident, very comfortable. Um, you know, I've made, I've made a million putts in the past and right. you know, I just, it just translated over. So, 
Was there, I mean, obviously, like, Circle 1X is one thing, but the amount of long-distance putts you were making was a pretty incredible. Was there ever a point during the during your rounds where even you were in a bit of disbelief that they kept going in, that you kept making one after another? Yeah, yeah, there was definitely um, some of that. I think hole 12 where I, where I slipped and fell. Yeah. Uh, that one was that one was a bit of a shock uh, just because I was like, you know, I'll just give it a run, see what it's happens. Tough line, yeah. <laughs> It surprised me when I went in. So yeah, is it is it safe to say you were kind of in that mindset that a lot of times can happen in disc golf where you get to you make so many in a row where as soon as you can see the basket you just kind of know it you're gonna make it like you really just can't miss. Yeah, there was that nice little just like laser focused. Yeah, feeling it. It's it's the best place to be for sure. Um, one thing I was wondering is since the putting performance probably overshadowed the rest of your game, not a bad thing, but overshadowed it uh, during Idle Wild. Was there another part of your game that you felt was clicking during the week uh, and really led you to victory that people might not have been paying as much attention to? Um, yeah, I mean, I think throwing those white putters that I was throwing, yeah, really, really helped my my game there. Um, just keeping them in the middle, I threw those probably, you know. 50 60 percent of my shots i was throwing oh, okay yellow mid um and so those really helped me just keep stay in the fairway um stay safe yeah I, I definitely noticed down the stretch especially was that what you were throwing on 17 uh in the final round yeah i noticed down the stretch relying on that shot to just keep yourself in the middle and stay out of trouble and that was uh certainly a big thing um so putting well you know People are kind of zeroed in on Idlewild, but it's been a theme for you all year, considering you currently lead the tour in C1X putting. Um, has putting always been the strongest part of your game, or is it something you've really developed recently? I think um, it's something I've developed this year specifically. Um, you know, I've always been a, a decent putter. I think you have to be to, to be a professional. Certainly. But this year, I've been putting a lot of practice, um, a lot of time, just working on my putting, working on the, the longer distance putting trying to get a step a step putt into mm -hmm. my game and yeah i think i think it's i'm seeing the the fruit of that yeah definitely I, I would certainly say so have you always kind of thrown that more spinny putt or has that been something that you've gone to more uh recently yeah I, as far as i remember i've i've always had a, a more spin putt okay yeah, I, I it always I think you have such a unique putt because you kind of have that short spin, almost like let go of the disc seemingly early, but it pops out of your hand. Um, I, I've are there times that using such a spinny putt has gotten like it can get frustrating when, when I feel like the spin putt has bigger left right misses when it's not on. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, when I do miss, it's usually releasing it early or just a tad bit late if it's sticky. Yeah. Um, yeah, so definitely the message. Yeah, so obviously putting, you know, the technique is a big part of it, but the mental game is, you know, most of it. Once you get to a certain level of, of practice, what are the key things you focus on, um, even if it, it does involve something with your form or your mental game, like kind of like your swing thoughts when you're putting? Are there certain, like, key things that you're zoning in on? Yeah, you know, I, I really try not to have a, a swing thought. Okay. A, um, trying to just focus on the basket. Once I, I check the wind, check my footing, um, you know, make sure nothing's in the way. I just, I just go for it. Um, yeah. Then on the basket. Do you aim at the basket as a whole, or do you like to pick out a certain chain link or, or part of the band? 
yeah, I like to pick, um, I don't pick, but I'll pick like a set of chains. Okay. That's the like upper right hand side. Yeah. Of the basket. Um, mm-hmm. cause I do putt with a little bit of hyzer. And so the right side, it'll just crash in. Yeah. I could definitely tell that's like kind of your aim point with your putt is, is letting that kind of stall out and crash in at the end. Um, so now that you've got the win under your belt, looking forward to the rest of your season, are there any specific goals you've set for yourself and, and have they changed since your win at all? Um, I think my goals are, are still the, mostly the same, you know, like I said before, I, you know, I have the confidence to win now Yeah, uh, that position. Um, so I know I can do it. So I would love to see more wins, but as far as my goals go, I, I mean, top 15, uh, at every close to every tournament I can do, uh, that would be, I consider that a success. Absolutely. Are there any certain events that you kind of pinpoint on your schedule later in the year that are like ones you really want to get? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure most people would say this, but the USD, um, yeah, by far my favorite event of the season. Yeah. And that's one that I would just love to win. And you had an eighth place finish there at one point. Is that correct? Yeah. Last year. Yeah, so th- so you've got some history there. It's funny, a lot of the pros I talk to, USDDC is always their target, I think because, you know, the World Championship is obviously a big deal, but it seems like USDDC is actually much harder to win um, just because winning at Winthrop is no joke. So I, I, can definitely, uh, I can definitely see that that's a trend amongst the pros. Everybody wants that one. Um, so now that you've kind of emerged um, on tour and have found success at the highest level, you know, you're a winner on tour, uh, how do you kind of picture your disc golf career going, you know, 10 years from now? Like, what is it starting to look like for you? Yeah. So, you know, at the start of the season, I was like, I'll, I'll travel around the United States, play some disc golf and see how it goes. You know, maybe not do it next year. Yeah. I was really excited. Um, but after the win, I think, I think I could see myself out here for at least a couple more years. Yeah. Yeah. So, Definitely. Yeah. Long term, you know, 10 years, I, I don't know. I can't see that far in the future, but yeah, uh, for the next couple of years, for the foreseeable future, uh, definitely I'll be out here. Well, that's awesome. Um, well, one of the recent things you've done to kind of forward your career is uh, signing with Beacon Sports Management Group. Uh, this is kind of becoming more of a trend for disc golf athletes, uh, signing with management groups to kind of help their branding. Talk a little bit about how that opportunity arose and what you hope to gain with that partnership. Yeah. Um, so, um, Jeff, after... Um, actually before Idlewild Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it was kind of talking to me, kind of offered me some, uh, a deal, um, just kind of work and find some sponsors for me. Um, so yeah, I talked to him, uh, talked to a couple people on the team, you know, talked to Zach Melton, uh, Gannon Burr, you know, people like that. Uh, and they said, they said Beacon is a great place to go. And so, you know, I'm excited to work with Xander. I'm excited to work with Beacon. Um, I'm really excited just to see the opportunities that, that arise from that, that partnership. Yeah, definitely. Is, do you think like social media and branding is something that you definitely want to place like a heavy emphasis on moving forward? Absolutely. Um, you know, my social media presence isn't, it's that big right now. Um, and so I would love to kind of branch off into, you know, and, and grow that, um, social media presence and, and there. Yeah, well, it's it's certainly a tool, and a lot of pros have definitely been gaining a lot of following and, and been using that to their advantage. Um, well, anyways, before I let you go, I wanted to ask uh, one more question. I like to get like power rankings on this show, like customized to who I'm interviewing. So I noticed you're a Georgia sports fan, 
So um, let's get a power ranking of your top three Georgia sports teams. Okay. Um, I think the Falcons have to miss the cut. They're not on there. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, I, I'm a big fan of Atlanta United. Yeah, um, all right. So been to several of their games, and that's, that's just a blast. Yeah. Uh, I think I have to go Georgia Bulldogs. Um, yeah. Really big fan of them. Love watching the games. Um, and, you know, shout out to the Braves winning the, the World last year. Yeah. Uh, that was that was pretty exciting. There you go. Yeah, certainly a good time to be an Atlanta sports fan uh, in Georgia in general. Um, but anyways, Isaac, thank you so much for joining the show. It was great hearing from you, and I'm sure there's going to be some big things for you in the future of disc golf. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. All right, and thanks once again to our guest, Isaac, for joining the show. It was great hearing from him. Um, super, super bright future for Isaac. I'm sure with the skill set that he has, he's going to make a huge splash on tour for years to come. But anyways, make sure you're back here next Thursday. We're going to have another great guest. We'll see you then.